And for folks who don't know, the Free State Project is a movement of voluntary human action where we are trying to concentrate libertarians in the state of New Hampshire. I think we've got done uh, more in the last decade than every other libertarian movement combined has accomplished in the last five decades. Are my friends and my neighbors who are willing to stand against tyranny, make their voices heard, and have a goddamn impact. You have a problem with what people are afraid to say what they believe in, but they'll actually do something about it. If you're afraid to stand outside the TSA line and piss off 97% of people who are waiting to just take the bar and build up their ass in five seconds, then you're probably not ever going to make the change. Free State Project, again, it's, it's 1% of the Free State movement. I am a friend of the Free State Project. And would you encourage people to check and, it out? Absolutely. Check it out. Find out. If you like it, join us. Continue the effort. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, libertarians, anarchists, activists, movers, natives, and those on your way, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Free State Live, where you can learn about how you can live free and thrive in the free state of New Hampshire. And joining me this week, as always, the wonderful, the lovely, the one and only J.D. Esquire, MFA, Queen Quill, political activist extraordinaire, Carla Garrick. How are you, Gara? Hi, I'm I'm great. And I feel like I should explain why all those letters are there. <laughs> I got into like a Twitter. Fi- so I have to confess, I have become like addicted to Twitter in like two weeks it's a great straight platform. up, right? Like I went through the whole detox to get rid of my digital minimal. You know, I did digital minimalism. I was like, I can meditate. I don't need to be online all the time. And then they banned me on Facebook. And then <laughs> I just, I got stuck on Twitter. So some jerk on Twitter told me that I wasn't allowed to correct a sitting New Hampshire representative about his use of the term horse dewormer. He's a doctor. And so I pointed out that it would be disingenuous to call it horse dewormer because, you know, it is medicine and it's been shown in these studies to have worked for early treatment. And this guy chimed in and he was like, you don't have, uh, leave the big ideas to the big people with the big letters behind their names. And he called me Carly with a Y. <laughs> so I was like, dear Johnny or whatever his name was. And I was, I signed it with that. So that was my little, uh, to, to the Twitter sphere. For Shot the- across the bow in the Twitter sphere. <laughs> yeah. It, it Sometimes it brings out the best in people. Sometimes it, uh, does not. <laughs> it brings Like you see all the rumors now of everyone at Twitter threatening to quit their jobs and having a mass exodus from employees, even though the CEO said that he talked to Elon Musk and they don't actually have anything planned to change. Like, and Twitter's maintained, they're not censoring anyone. But then Elon says the only thing he's going to change is to stop them from censoring people. So why is everyone threatening to quit? Right. <laughs> it's sort of, I mean, the, the scary part there is I I wonder, I mean, my perspective was that people couldn't win the arguments, right? So, so we have the tools to actually have real-time, constant debates about these ideas. And I think their machine learning discovered like like we know there's ai out in the wild now right like there are algorithms that are doing things that we we barely understand in fact i was super shocked to learn i happened to click 
I didn't happen to click. They manipulated me into clicking <laughs> on an ad for an AI. It was called the Jasper AI. And it said, um, have your AI write content in minutes. And I was like, okay, I'll take a look at this. I, and I tried that. The Jasper the one. Ad, they say that Jasper, that AI for this content no. management platform has read 10% of the internet. And I was like, holy shit. Imagine you've read 10% of the internet. Like you'd just be like, what? So this is the AI that they're willing to tell us is out there. So what if there's a machine learning thing that literally is sentient enough where it can just, where it can look at information and go, oh, well, clearly this side is right. But they were giving us the data, we're crunching the data and, and they're looking at it. And so that's why we need the censorship. They're like, you're literally <laughs> not allowed to talk about these ideas because the machine is learning that we're right, that freedom wins. I mean, why not? That's always a terrifying for the people in charge that we're winning it's now we do have a ministry of truth now so maybe 10 percent of the internet a year ago is going to be like 50 percent of the internet next year who knows what the ministry of truth is going to come up with right um, did you see in today they um they're giving i guess the biden administration is giving billions of dollars again to the ukraine war effort but when you go read the fine print, they're actually allocating a lot of that money. The last one I saw was $8 billion that is going to like Afghanistan or somewhere, right? right. <laughs> and and it's just like, wh like, what are we doing? And so they're ceding all this money to these different locations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, they're ceding this money to start satellite ministries of truth all right. over the world. And this is basically, this is what Edward Snowden warned us about. You know, Ed, Edward is one of my heroes. That's why I brought him out in 2016. He spoke at Liberty Forum. It's one of our finest moments. The announcement for Edward Snowden to speak was on over a hundred newspapers front pages across America. <laughs> so that was like a big moment. And he was basically warning us that the surveillance state is here. These people are just, the more information they can gather, the happier they are. Information is power. I mean, I think Palantir, the the organization, the company that I think Peter Thiel owns, right? That they're probably more powerful than any nation state now because the government's buying the information from them. Right. That was like Cambridge Analytica. All these. Um, what's the? Uh, there's another one out there that people were accusing the Ellen, the Libertarian Party chair of being a Fed because he was on the subscriber list for their um you oh. have magazine every month like there's so many private intelligence services out there that are, all they are is news aggregators and they write an opinion piece like this is how this piece of news will affect the global economy in this way moving forward but the reality is like how many like governments rely on these private businesses intelligence services to aggregate news from around the world for them so they can plan things um like their own economic models moving forward it's terrifying
Right. No, it's super scary. And I actually, I, I've started to say, I think we're in the most dangerous phase. And what I mean by that is state actors, like we're at the dumb peak of idiotocracy. We got to be close, man. And, <laughs> and the problem is they believe their own propaganda. Like, I think there is a bureaucratic class now that actually does think that these things that they're telling themselves are are true. I think some of them do believe their own lies. So they really do think, you know, that there's a I don't I don't know that there's a right-wing extremist behind every bush now. I mean, there is <laughs> if it's Bush senior or junior, but <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, for those of you tuning in, thank you everyone for tuning in tonight. It is actually a special episode, a fun episode. Um we're technically this is episode 27 and what that marks is carla we're over the half a year mark we are over six months of every monday being here celebrating the first day project and what better way to do that than without an agenda there's already too many agendas around us everyone else we deal with everyone who fights against us has an agenda so why do we have to come here with an agenda we have our fans we have people that listen every week tune thank in thank you and maybe they have some questions. Maybe they have some comments. Maybe they have some new conspiracy theories for Carla to expound upon. Leave them in the chat. Ask us your questions. Why don't we drive the show from chat tonight and we'll have a real fun time because there's plenty of news we can touch on. Elon Musk bought Twitter. John Deere is shutting off tractors on farms in Russia. Um, the world's on the brink of World War III as it is every day. But New Hampshire does keep getting freer. And I did see at least one comment we want to touch on. Mark Warden had in the chat said he just dropped off a call uh, from the Legislative Caucus uh, with House leadership. And it was a bunch of free staters on the call for House leadership in the Legislative Caucus. That's awesome. Carla, you're one of the old hats here with the Free State Project. You're a board member. Um, you've run for office dozen times oh, come like, on. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it feels like it after a while like after your second campaign it feels like it's it's something you've done every year um like where how far have we come from like when you first got here when you first got involved and moved to the point where we can now say that free staters are controlling the legislature in the state yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 a beauty to behold. It feels like it's a plan that was an unplanned because everything is decentralized. So it's sort of like it's happening by itself. But certainly, a lot of us shared a very similar vision. So I believe the first free stater who got elected was in two thousand and eight, and he was actually elected as a Democrat and served a couple of terms. Uh, we, we've, we've seen over the years that people on the Democratic side actually really struggle because um, the Republicans do have that sort of 80-20 rule that'll say if you kind of agree enough, we'll work together. But, um, but um, the, the Democrats kind of have to vote lockstep. So in general, free thinkers don't do that great on their side of the platform. So in 2000 and 2008, first one elected. And then we've seen sort of incremental growth over the years. 
And so this year, I think there are between 30 and 40 who will say they're sort of, um, I'm not even going to say card carrying free staters, because that would <laughs> literally make someone's head explode. But, um, you know, people who are openly free staters. And then there's this massive Liberty Caucus, of course, in the state. And one of the things we saw this week, I'm not sure if you saw it, Justin, but there's a, a new... A uh, hit piece, I guess, that came out from our friends over on the progressive side. Uh, and again, every time I talk about them, I'm like, guys, there are things we agree on that we should work together on. Stop being so locked in <laughs> and come work with us on the things that we do agree upon. Anyway, um, they dropped another hit piece and it's a sort of slideshow. And it was, I don't know if it was on Facebook too, but it was definitely on Twitter and, <laughs> or maybe other way around. And it's just basically some slides and it's like, no, that the free staters are here. They are building a, and they need a boogeyman. You could I just swear. Take. That's the only way to explain this. Democrats and the left, they do not know how to work without a bad guy. They don't know how to campaign without a bad guy or an enemy. And like the Republican establishment isn't that different from them. So they can't really be the enemy anymore. People have kind of woken up to that. We're the enemy. We're the bad guy for them. And like my evidence for this, there was two Democrat state reps. Both were very, very progressive, very, very further left than most of the Democrats in the House. But they displayed an intense and immediate willingness to work with free staters on things like drugs and voting reform and election law and places where they agreed. Like, absolutely, that Freedom Caucus, they're on our side on these issues. Let's go work with them. Neither one of Democrats anymore. They were both removed from their committees, pushed out of their seats, yeah. and censored by Democratic leadership, saying, no, you don't have a voice anymore. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the party is socialist now. I mean, it sounds... Like, like I'm just throwing stones, but I mean that in a very like legitimate card carrying way. Like, I think if you have independent ideas or maybe even a new way to do things, I've seen, I've seen progressives cancel and other their own people at, in such a gross way that you're like, wow, like you have, you know, no loyalty, no, no manners. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see things that, you know, I think they were criticizing us when they said there's free staters are in leadership in the majority. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. So they said we're building a dystopia. Of course, we'd like to cross out just that word and sort of that notion and really lean into the idea of utopia strong right but you know a mecca a a i hate the word homeland but this place that we're building that people can come and come and like bring your game and let's make this awesome place that we all want to live this is the second time i've seen them use, use the word dystopia when they're talking about us too and the first time was on a viral tiktok it was hilarious it was it was a girl who had moved here from texas to new hampshire not for the Free State Project. She moved because she was looking to get to the liberal Northeast from Texas. Um, and she's on TikTok. She's like, can somebody explain New Hampshire to me? I don't get it at all. And somebody responded with, I wish I could explain New Hampshire, but it's just like a libertarian dystopia with fall foliage. <laughs> and like that was meant to be a scathing attack on us and what we're doing. And I clipped it and I put it on Twitter. I'm like, this is the greatest endorsement ever because the foliage <laughs> is gorgeous. <laughs> 
I love it. And, and honestly, the more they come at us, the more opportunity it really does open up to speak. Where I feel a deep-seated sort of resentment is they're not, they're not honorable and they're not become unstoppable, move today, indeed. They're not honorable in how they deal. You know, they, they'll, they'll exclude us from open talks uh, things that are advertised that are open to the public. They yep. openly discriminate against us. I have seen like posts and tweets where it's borderline. You're calling me vermin, you know, where <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, whoa, let's start to replace some words. We're an here. invasive and, species. They say, yes, yes. <laughs> an invasive species. That was one of them. Um, but yeah, so, so it's, it's actually, it's great, right? I, I saw that there was a protest out over the weekend. It wasn't specifically against free staters, although we have actually seen that. That kind of breaks my heart, but you know, hey, if someone wants to feel so strongly, but I've been trying to actually post on tweets and I encourage everyone who's an ambassador for the Free State Project, really consider like doing this. If you see these tweets go by, be open and be like, hey, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. And, you know, let's have that conversation because you will be yep. surprised. Like I try and hit the WMUR and like the local newspapers. If I see something particularly, I mean, my trigger. So my triggers are if they say it's unexpected, unexplained. This was a surprise. We don't understand. How did this happen? Because I'm like, no. Shut up. We have been telling you for years yes. that this, this, and this is going to happen if you do that, that, and that. And now they're like, oh, how did that happen? How? And I'm like, no, you don't get away with that. And the people, people I don't know, not fans, no one who's following me, just ordinary people are just piling in and they're loving it because we're speaking the truth. And a lot of people are that silent group. And we know there are a lot of you in New Hampshire, and I think they're reachable. I think those are the folks we want. We want you to support free staters on whatever ticket they're on. On whatever ticket they're <laughs> on, on whatever project is... they're on. It doesn't even have to be political. There's a lot of ways we can have impacts that aren't even political, aren't even in the legislative process. Mark Warden, with our first question of the night, said, I'm focused on politics. But what In what other areas or realms are free staters changing New Hampshire for the better? And that's an incredible question. And I'm going to chastise Mark here because, Mark, you're also involved in one of those other ways. Uh, even if you're not going to admit it for the question, because like with investment, like how much money and investment have free staters brought into this state in terms of investing into property and infrastructure and improving a property and property values for themselves and their neighbors. And as a result, the quality of living conditions in cities, like we've gentrified West Manchester, like what's next? Like that's just by moving, but then other projects like community service organizations and uh, social groups, like, what have been some of your favorite things you've seen over the years that free staters have done outside of the state house? Yeah, I mean, you can see right behind me on this side, we do <laughs> litter pickup. So, you know, we go out. There's, of course, in our neighborhood, we have We Heart West um, that does uh, beautification in the neighborhood. My husband, Louie, just came back like half an hour ago from a litter pickup that they did. Uh, Louie and I actually just as our human action when we walk our dog, we generally take stuff and we do litter pickups. Um, but, you know, there's 
there's everything from like the community centers, of course, that's not political, right? But we create these avenues in these places. Um, there's an event that's been running for over 10 years called Artsy Farty, and that's like very close to my heart. That's something I've really tried to participate in as much as I can over the years. Um, and, you know, I'm one of those people who thinks we should be writing more. We should be doing more stand up. We should be more out there. Everyone should have a podcast. I know it feels like everyone already <laughs> has one. It used but- to be a joke. Welcome to New Hampshire. Here's your Bitcoin on your podcast. Now we can't afford to give away the Bitcoin, but. <laughs> You know, but it's also we are going to be able to put these clips together over the years to really show. So another reason I know I'm harping a little bit on the, the Ministry of Truth and the censorship stuff, but it really does get get my goat right is part of the reason they want to censor is because they can't win the argument so again with technology the way it is now you know the government used to be able to lie to us a lot about a lot of things and then kind of kick the can down the road no one could be held accountable it was very expensive to take two clips of someone saying the exact opposite things and hold them to account. Now we can screen grab it and show it. We can prove they're hypocrites and we can prove it on a daily, daily basis with numerous of them, right? No one's coming out of this smelling like roses unless you're telling the truth. I have a little story about those. When you run for office, I'm the perennial candidate. (laughs) Um, You, yes, exactly. (laughs) We should have 20 million podcasts. 21 million, the same number of Bitcoin. (laughs) Um, But when you run for office, you get all these surveys from everywhere, right? And it's everything from abortion to gun rights to trans rights to green stuff, you know, and and it's... every organization across, right? And so you fill out these forms and you send them back. And I was at a Senate press training session, and I won't name the senator, but it was a sitting senator who uh, I said something about, oh, this is what I said in that form. And the person said, oh, do you fill those out? No, no. And I was like, yeah. And she was so you could probably figure it out. But uh, this person was like, oh, but uh, so do you save them all? Or how do you know what you said on them? And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? Like, if you don't really have a firm set of principles, I answered everything first principle. So it was very easy because I was like, oh, I'm not worried about what I'm going to say in 10 years time because I'm going to say the same damn thing. Hopefully. Because that's the simple way to keep government small. Well, and if I've changed my mind over the course of 10 years, if somebody tries, if I stay principled the whole time and somebody tries to pull a gotcha on me, it's like, well, you know what? Here's how my mind has changed and why over the past 10 years since I said that. Because if I didn't just make shit up, I can have a logical explanation of how I changed my mind or else I wouldn't have changed my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think sadly in politics, usually how we change our minds is we become persuaded that rewarding (laughs) our friends is uh, more ethical than it might actually be. I mean, I don't know. There are some, like maybe uh, a sitting U.S. senator from New Hampshire, who I won't name their names, but they've taken the third most lobbying funds in history in just the last term and have taken more lobbying funds than the rest of the U.S. Senate combined in just the last term. And the only thing that benefited New Hampshire was a that they've done is push a $43 billion defense contract to a New Hampshire manufacturer. 
Mm, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, honestly, that is one of the things that I. Congrats would... to Sig Sauer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a, something I was a little disappointed about when yep. I moved to New Hampshire is when I realized how many uh, defense contractors are actually situated here because we have such a good business climate for people who want to do business and those are really high paying jobs and we don't have an income tax where else would they want to be no and i understand <laughs> that and it makes sense and i understand that it's just you know for a lot it, it's work for a lot of people but it's I, I think much like we saw with medical ethics and certainly with legal ethics over the years, I think at some stage, you know, you're justifying something where you're like, oh, I'm just playing with the science or, oh, I'm just making the laser. And it's like, yeah, but the laser goes in the thing that goes in the thing that like bombs the people for no right. reason, you know? So, um, so I will remain staunchly anti-war, uh, probably not something I will change my mind on, Ever. Uh, but unless, you know, you come at me first, you know, but I, I subscribe to the Malcolm, um, serenity one where it's like if i shoot you you're gonna be facing me you're gonna know why and it's done <laughs> absolutely we do have another comment question kind of leaning back into politics from keith and renee on facebook who do before their questions say they're up here visiting for the next four months while doing some work up in new hampshire loving it libertarians from texas don't go back you've already made your way home all you have to do is realize it and find a place to stay we can help you with both of those things just get, check out fsp.org calendar while you're up here. Find some libertarian events and come meet us. And we'll help you find a reason to stay. But their question, how do we explain New Hampshire electing a Republican governor and legislature but going Democrat federally all the time? Uh, like, like We have really corrupt Democrat senators and congresspeople. Uh, we voted for Biden and Clinton by very slim margin voted for Clinton. But like, how do we explain that when... New Hampshire at the local level and at the state level seems to be so pro-freedom and votes Republican and for the Liberty candidates. But then when it comes to the federal candidates in the race, black. What's your take as someone who's, I mean, I have my opinions, but you've been involved in New Hampshire politics a little bit longer than me. Um, what's your take? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to know my initial take, honestly, with this last election cycle, where really, First of all, New Hampshire was the only state that actually flipped from Dem to R, and we flipped the House and the Senate. Right. And I kind of forgot about that because I was the one jerk who didn't win. <laughs> uh, I also did not win. <laughs> yeah, I yeah yeah, fair enough. And and so um, so I kind of forgot about that, but, it, but someone reminded me, and I was like, yeah, that is weird that we would have flipped from D to R locally but somehow still have voted for biden so to be honest my initial thing was voter fraud i was like either there was mail-in fraud that was only on the federal level or something else but then i talked to several sitting representatives and people who who have gone to I've gone to a fair amount of recounts over the years, but these people have gone to a lot. Mm -hmm. And they actually went to the president. They, I think they were sitting in on the Wyndham audit, which was like, you know, where they were yep. checking. And they said it was very strange that the Republicans were doing very well. Um, they could see on the ballots that it was Sununu was getting the vote and Biden was getting the vote. So I think it's got to be 
I, I think my opinion, I, I think there's just been there hasn't been a good federal candidate on either side of the ballot for any I of think the it's f- name recognition. They spend a lot of money on on ads, right? right? TV ads for the ladies, right. like boom, boom, boom. No one says that one lady's name, Custer. Is that her name? Annie Custer. Custer. Yeah, and nobody also talks about how she's an adoption attorney from northern New Hampshire who's made her living splitting families up and charging thousands of dollars to help them get back together. But that's I have issues with her. Man, I will tell you, someone should run on the platform of disbanding the DCYF in this state because child services in the in New Hampshire, like it feels like it's being weaponized. I almost feel like um there's this 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 frothiness that we saw, uh, and it happened under Obama as well, right? When they were not allowing the Tea Party parties to register and all of that. I think when they get power and they know they're in a corner and they're about to get hammered, they 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 and of course we printed all this money. I think all these departments are looking for cases and looking for things and looking for. Um, ways to 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 come at people so uh it's going to be interesting but it's always been strange people always ask about that red blue thing it is truly a purple state i will tell you this most of us and most free staters genuinely um i'll speak for myself i don't and most of my friends that i know who are free staters don't uh really care what the federal government is up to like we think that ship yeah. sailed it's it's kind of done so you know while it's it's uh, you know it's around and we have to talk about it because it is part of life we genuinely don't care right i mean i was shocked at that GOP delegate thing I was at a couple of weeks ago. They had like a half an hour when they had candidates talking and they were all the federal candidates. And I was like, why? I had, I had a reaction a couple of weeks ago. So um, like I look at the Republican primary for U S Senate right now in New Hampshire, and there's nobody I'm enthusiastic about. Nobody I find even uh, remotely libertarian or ugh, until, Bruce Fenton, until Bruce Fenton had declared he was going to run. Um, and when Bruce Fenton, a free stater, a longtime friend, somebody I've considered a friend since before either of us moved to New Hampshire, we knew each other in Massachusetts, uh, declares he's running and is putting together a very well-funded professional campaign. My very first text message was to him saying, why don't you run for state senate instead? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, me, me too. Because I'd and- rather you, an awesome, great libertarian, stay here where it's going to affect my life. Yeah. And, and we, I mean, I think people like the, the, the status that the federal things give that, you know, maybe on a state and local level, it just doesn't feel that fancy. So I understand that desire, but, you know, I would say for the amount of money anyone's going to spend on a federal race, it could be much better spent in the state. We can, you know, people are talking about this massive red wave that's coming. I don't know. I've never ridden the wave yet, so we'll <laughs> see. But um, but people are likening it to 2010 where there was that big flip and that was sort of the Tea Party momentum. I think, you know, it's early days and a lot can happen. I mean, I was looking at shadow stats. The inflation is much higher than uh, than is being projected. Uh, there's this fertilizer situation. There are the food plants that are blowing up. There are the soy boys. You know, like it's getting it's getting scary out there. 
I saw an article published today um, by like it, it was some like leftist news outlet that I normally just scroll past, but the headline read "Inflation may be the Democrat killer," mm. and it blew my mind to see a leftist like left leaning Democratic uh, publication acknowledge that they knew enough about economics to acknowledge that inflation is going to hurt them. Because you'd think if they knew enough about economics, we wouldn't be in this issue to begin with. Yeah, I think, but I think it's one of those lessons that is becoming obvious. I mean, I've spent the last two weeks, mostly because I like the word immutable, uh, just posting like the laws of economics are immutable all over Twitter. And, you know, 90% of people are like, I don't know what that word means, but some folks are like... um, yeah, but the lag time's too long, so people don't know that it's because of this. But the point is, this time, if you look on the charts, I mean, even the dumbest person can look at the monetary supply chart and be like, that looks weird. It kind of does this, and then it does that, right? Like, right. even the dumbest person. Well, they're trying to blame the go, inflation oh, on Putin. Well, that don't look good. Biden sending out tweets calling it Putin's price hikes, uh, trying to blame the uh, inflation on Putin. But if you actually look at the monetary supply chart and the inflation chart, there is like a cutout where it's gone up significantly in the past like four months during this little war, but it's also gone up exponentially larger than that during the previous two years during just COVID stimulus spending. Yeah, and honestly, Trump printed a lot of money too. Like, he's not blameless either. I mean, we're just at the... We're at the crazy, you know, like Nero was playing the violin as as um, Rome was burning. It's like, it's just funny money. It's so many zeros at this stage. Um, like this loan forgiveness. Let's talk about that for a hot second, right? So <laughs> AOC, AOC said the following today. Uh with with the student loan cancellation, because I guess the people who actually have paid off their loans are slightly butthurt about it, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. I was like, hey, I want my mortgage loan uh, sure. canceled. Why not, right? She actually tweeted out, we can support things we don't directly benefit from. So she's literally placating her 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 maraudering masses who are like, but wait a second, I actually paid off my loan. And she's like, don't get she's, mad she's at the right. other people. She, she's almost right here, though. And uh, I take a weird stance here, and I've been, I've had this argument with libertarians on Twitter where they're like, how can you support student loan forgiveness? I'm like, listen, like five years ago, I hated the idea because like the 1.6 trillion it would cost to wipe out student loan debt. Uh, was like such a significant portion of the federal debt and it would be massive. But now I look at it, it's like 5%. Like at this point, it's less than the inflation is going to be anyways. So why not? Like at this point, it doesn't even hurt our monetary supply. If anything, it speeds up the collapse by 5%. Who cares? But like, I'm like, there is a way to use student loan forgiveness, I think, as a backdoor towards solving the bigger problem. And that's abolishing the Department of Education and the student loan racket to begin with. And so I would say, like, the approach here isn't just blanket forgiveness and let everything go and keep operating as it is. But if someone were to, someone were to pitch a plan that says, say, says, forgives all student loans 
since 2007 when Freddie Mae and Fannie Mac were uh, Sally Mae and Fannie Mac were nationalized and they became federal student loans and not privatized. Uh, forgive everything since that point and give any amount paid to anybody who made any payments over that time a tax credit for all the t- money they paid in for it, paired with abolishing the Department of Education student loan program altogether. It'd be a net positive. Yeah. Okay. First of all, also, Kevin just joined us. But <laughs> if you're going to do that at all, hi, Kevin. <laughs> Then we're in we're in student loan forgiveness. He is taking yep. the position that, yeah, sure, we should do it because he's a commie. I am <laughs> taking the opposite position, the position that, no, we should not do that. But if we were to trade, to be fair, Justin, if we were to trade, I would say, okay, student loan forgiveness uh, per your terms or, you know, the 2007, yep. uh, a lot of that makes sense. In return for the abolishment of the Department of Education. And maybe we get one more department. Like maybe we get two departments for student right. loan cancellation. Really? But they gotta like they gotta close them. Like not oopsie. I mean, honestly, I'm at the stage. I'm genuinely, genuinely at the stage where I would propose the following: I would support universal basic income for anyone who voluntarily opt in. If you receive it. At, and for UBI to be, all departments need to be closed. And we do one thing with new, like, 2020th tech, not with, like, 1880s fucking, you know, smoke. Or stack. I would settle for just and Kurt's then, suggestion. Kurt's suggestion of just letting them be subject to bankruptcy. That's fine. Yeah, actually, that could work, too, because that is what people do with their mortgages, which was your point, Justin. Yeah. Okay, so we do away with all... Um, all the departments. What are we doing? I was crashing, smashing the state, and then I lost my train of thought. So, well, hi, let, Kevin, well let them forgive you? student loans in exchange for abolishing everything. Oh, so UBI. I would support yep. UBI. In return, all departments need to be closed. We need to introduce real tech. You have the option of receiving it. While you're receiving it, you have no right to vote. So you don't get to vote for your largesse. You have to opt in. Yes, I'm a slave. I'm a kept person. I am willing to accept that. Or no, I am a free person. That's it. That's where we're at. I think that should be the conversation. Have that you is seen also why the movie, I am unelectable. <laughs> have you seen the movie Sorry for Bothering You? What? Or is the movie Sorry to Bother You? Oh, like, I don't know if I saw that. The premise no. of the movie is it's a kid working in like a smildly dystopian future where everybody's broke, nearing homeless, like economy is shit, and he gets a job as a telemarketer, but works his way up to being like the best telemarketer ever, and he's brokering million-dollar I probably deals. have seen that. Maybe I'm going to write it down, though. What he's selling is slave labor, and he doesn't realize till the end of the movie that he's selling slave labor because there's a giant corporation that has created a uh, contract where you sign over your life that you will get a place to stay, a place to sleep, three meals a day, and you work for no wages. And people voluntarily signing up for slavery because then you had no obligations, no bills, no worries, could live comfortably to be a slave. But you know what, guys? Life is a struggle. I think if somebody were to do that today, people would sign up. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... yeah. 
And <laughs> honestly, like maybe like, you know, like I wish I could write more books or I wish there were yep. 10 of me. I wouldn't mind like being like, oh, I'm going to go on UBI for two years. I'm an anarchist. I don't care about voting anyway. And I'm going to go finish my book. I mean, maybe you would dip in and dip out and it would help a startup count, uh, a culture. The problem is, and I've seen the point, like advocates of UBI said, if we had a universal basic income, people didn't have to grind and depend on W2 work for work and work for other people to get by, we would have the freedom and innovation for people to pursue art and music and other things that kind of advance human intellect and culture. And like we could have 10,000 Mozarts and Beethovens we don't know about. And unfortunately, then I turn on YouTube and I see like Logan Paul jumping off a roof into a pool full of uh, jelly beans. And like, we're not going to get 10,000 Beethovens. We're going to get 10,000 no. Logan Pauls. No, <laughs> you know what it is with those people. And here's what my experience is. I've never met a socialist or a communist that said, I'm dreaming of working in a mine. I'm dreaming of figuring out a way to procure, like I'm going to work on heavy machinery or diesel engines or hydraulic repair. It's always, oh, I have a farm. I'm going to teach philosophy. I'm going to have a yoga thing. Like these are ridiculous pie in the sky ideas that very few people can do. And if you're talented enough to do it, that's wonderful. Uh, but no, everybody would just do nothing. See, I do so. Okay, so I disagree about the hippie shit because I do think there's there's space for that. And I actually think if we had healthier ecosystems, mm -hmm. like if we were in these sort of two hundred person pods, which I think is more or less where the science says you function well as a group. Beyond that, it starts to get weird. Then you know you you want someone who makes really good bread. You want the two yeah. masseuses. You want the yoga lady, right? Like you want that sort of for your pod or your little ecosystem. Um, so so I think we should actually be encouraging whatever those sparks are in people. I don't know why we say, oh, you can't have enough yoga instructors. You know what? If everyone in the world was just training to be a yoga instructor, therefore super focused on their own bodies and being healthy and in balance, we've already won. <laughs> yeah, that's a great argument. That is a good argument. So there's Sean, not, there's Sean, zero negative in everyone being more responsible and healthier. Yeah. <laughs> Sean on YouTube points out it's like UBI has not worked everywhere. They've tried. No motivation to work. It'd be a magnet for illegal immigration, which I'll have a discussion on that. I actually disagree with you on that and I have data to prove it. Uh, yeah. but the percentage of the population that would benefit society from UBI is super small. Um, it's been tried, and he's right. It has been tried in certain places, and it's failed. They've tried it in Sweden and Denmark in small test cases, and it failed. I, yeah, I forget what I mean, city. Was. I forget what city, but there's some city, I think it's in California, that just announced they're going to start it on the city level exclusively for transgender residents. What? Right. They're going to give you by... That's not discriminatory at all. ...to transgender I mean... residents. I'm a I'm a I'm a woman now. Right. But you know, honestly, guys, uh, when when the stimmy bills were going around uh, during COVID, I got into because I, you know, I came from the left. I have a lot of left. Well, I had no one speaks <laughs> to me anymore. But when when my lefty friends still spoke to me, you know, we would they would say things like, "Oh, if I had more time, I would paint more. I would start this. I would do my yoga studio, whatever it was." Right. And so maybe halfway through COVID, I think it's when the second stimulus bill came, I was feeling like I had been locked down for a while, maybe had a little cabin fever. And I was like, let's go poke some people. And I was like, hey, so guys, all of you who said you're pro UBI and that, you know, if only you had the time and the money, 
tell me what have you done what over the done? past six months, right? Yeah. And it was crickets or like, how dare you? Or, you know, I've been in a fear cycle, but, but it was very telling because I was like, I know what I did. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to maintain my health. I'm going to write these things and I start a show. I'm going to do these things. And I, I genuinely tried to use the time in some way to better us. And for a lot of people, they just kind of sat around and either got sicker or scareder, which is not good. Man, I lost like 80 pounds over COVID. I kept reading about people gaining weight. And I was like, dude, I used the first like lockdown as like, oh, like what a good opportunity to like fast in the mornings and like count my steps and do some like basic like old man stuff, you know, <laughs> but it was super effective after a while and stuff like that. You know, how yeah, are you not using that time? I, I made a garden bed with my two-year-old yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, making fun of Carly here. There is about to be no food because fertilizer and processing plants are shutting down. Also, Carla, we need more people doing yoga. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's actually point. There's about to be no food. The government has been warning us about a food shortage, and I'm going to delve into it. We're going to take a little dip into Carla conspiracy land here. Um, government has been warning us about a food shortage and impending food shortage for like two years now. Like it's coming, it's going to happen. And I just, I had a realization today when browsing the internet on my lunch break at work and looking at news and the various news reports, um, what I think is about to hit like late this summer is people are going to realize a drastic issue on the global food markets because there's a few major crops that people don't realize that like Ukraine has a major global market share of like wheat and barley ukraine is 14 percent of the global Whole supply. world is about to go uh, i can't wait like um hops is ukraine has over 15 percent of the global supply of hops is going to ukraine so all you beer drinkers it's it's the bread basket man. it's it's the yeah, bread basket uh, of europe that's what's how it's been referred to for a long time. Sunflower seeds over 50 percent of the world's sunflower seeds are from ukraine so so and their entire agricultural sector has been bombed back to the so, so call 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 me crazy you're welcome to <laughs> here just based on what you were saying i'm like hmm so what is the war in the ukraine about now let's pause it for a moment that we have actually figured out what makes people healthy and what makes them unhealthy and there is a pattern now of what those things are and we know Wheat and hops and uh, seed oils are actually exceptionally bad for human health. So that's sort of interesting. I don't know what that but means. I haven't thought cheap. about that before. But I will tell you this. I'm going to look like a frigging genius because everyone's like, you know what? With you and your conspiracy theories, I don't eat sugar anymore. I don't drink beer. <laughs> I don't uh, use the seed oils. Uh, my IQ went up when I stopped drinking their water and stopped with the fluoride people. Um, um, so I'm just saying, you know, we... Carla, we, the, the only way that you'd be a conspiracy theorist is if the John Deere started shutting down tractors in Russia or something weird like that. You like they did this morning or like... Oh, <laughs> Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, Justin was telling me before the show or on the show, even. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, no, oh yeah, I wasn't even listening earlier. I, I just caught it. I was putting my son to bed. So, so, so think about that, though. There's this brilliant oh, yeah. documentary. I'm going to flip the name right now, but it was about what America did with cyber warfare against the Iranian nuclear plants in Iran, where there was a... I mean, I'm going to not get all the details Boxnet. right, but I want to say it was like a Phillips little clip in one of the clip uh, in one of the chips that worked that they could hack the operating system on the chip like a Raspberry Pi. Right. Like it'll have yep. a little bit of code that you can get in there. And they were able to re reverse the centrifuges to spin. So they shut down their nuclear plant. And that happened like 10 years ago. And no one knows about it. No one talks about it and whatever. Now, ex extrapolate that to every little device that is around and be like, oh, what can we do with the Internet of Things? They're going to well, mobilize people's fridges. So Sean on YouTube is saying that they were doing it in Ukraine to stop Russian soldiers from using the tractors. That's how the news broke. And the news broke because Russian soldiers were trying to loot a John Deere dealership and had taken a couple combines and were trying to use them because you, when the war first started, Ukraine blew a dam and tried to wipe out Crimea's wow. um, infrastructure as a defensive measure. And so the Russian soldiers were attempting to use all the John Deere equipment to kind of reclaim some of the agricultural fields in um, Crimea. But then today, they also, all the John Deere combines and harvesters stopped working in Chechnya, which is one of yeah. Russia's main agricultural areas. Um, so that was on top of the stolen ones in Ukraine. Again, it, and this it, is all remote with chips in the cars, right? Correct. Chips in the yeah, in the tractors. It's like Carla said, though, is just simply simply extrapolate that a little bit and think of how else it could be applied, and then you're in and you're right on the mark. Like it's not a far stretch or a conspiracy theory to think that it's simply something that hasn't happened yet, but is so within the realm of possibility that right. Like, and I'm like, we have all these smart nerds. Why aren't we going? <laughs> what can we hack? <laughs> In a totally legal white hat sense, yeah, no, for the record. I'll tell you um, what, if somebody were never to just like audit the, the balance sheet at the Federal Reserve, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I don't think there are enough zeros. There's not a spreadsheet big enough for that anymore. I keep wondering. I honestly have had this thought where I was like, who's the company that makes that LCD uh, timer clock? Uh, device that has the national debt. There's actually a, an actual device that used to be up at least at Times Square or something that I was like, they must keep adding like, it must keep getting, getting bigger, bigger and bigger. It's a city block. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it's oh it's God. it's crazy. Um, all right. Well, so what it's other... Actually, um, it's an so old part tool. of the food thing, though, can we talk about uh, uh, well, soy boy we uh, gates? Before we move on, just oh. to point out what Carla was talking about, everybody. Oh, here we if go. If you've not oh, there it is. usdebtclock.org, it's horrifying. Dude, yeah, don't even, it's like. <laughs> because I, it breaks down every line stuff. of the debt. I, yeah, um, I hate the Doomer stuff. Stay positive. But like, this is like Doomer City. This is the, worst case. <laughs> the U.S. federal tax revenue per citizen is $12,397 a year. But yeah. a debt per citizen is $242,501. So my two-and-a-half-year-old so bears the government $91,000. Yeah. Awesome. So 
if you want you want you want to red pill somebody on economics and the national debt, this website's free and they have an app. I'm I'm so, saying if you want my toddler to pay back ninety one thousand dollars, you gotta lax these child labor laws, dude. I gotta get this kid to work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, three three seems like you know, you gotta get out there. But that's start- on top of the student loans he doesn't even have yet. Right. Oh, man. Oh yeah. So the world so so the world could look bleak, but the world here in New Hampshire actually looks pretty bright, right? So different different story. Yeah, it really, you know, it 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 really is. And and I don't think we can ever undervalue the the notion of the community, right? Like I mean, I don't know how it is like if you're in Seattle or something and you're rolling with your Antifa progressive homies, if you have like some sense of camaraderie where you're like, yeah, we're going to go burn some shit. Like, I feel like we have the opposite, like where I just want to be like, yeah, we're going to go build some shit, you know. And It is, and, it is oh. the difference in, I mean, philosophy, however you want to look at it. I mean, <clears throat> but yeah, that, that's that's 100% true. I see a ton of posts or people commenting about their kids or stuff. And like, man, my son is not behind on his speech. He's ahead on his speech. He gets along with other kids. He plays in kids groups. He goes to all these events. There's just a million things. And the same for us. Like tomorrow, me and my wife were arguing about what we were going to make for the new mover potluck. This is like our 30th new mover potluck. It's not something new. We're still doing it. It's like, you know, it's, one of those things, there's always something going on. There's always a, an event. And that's the trick is you move from a place where you feel like you're on an island. Not, and, and again, everything seems doomerish in other states. Like, again, like, oh, man, imagine living in like L.A. or somewhere terrifying. Seattle, like same thing. Like I saw a video today of a lady like shanking people and a guy got his AK in response and was just firing it <laughs> indiscriminately. And I was like. Oh man, I live in New Hampshire. This is such a beautiful place. <laughs> None of these things happen here. Um, because again, like you're building something that's worth keeping, preserving. Everybody wants to be involved in. Like you pull in the outside and native community and you pull in all these other people. Like it, it's very easy and self growing from that point. But again, oh, you're not burning something down, you're building something up. It was great. I, I I was out on the seacoast this weekend, and I uh, I went to a comedy show at the Shell, one of the Liberty Clubhouses, out on the seacoast. But the, earlier in the day, I had taken a couple of friends from Massachusetts who were up visiting, and they're all potential thinking about moving at some point, and they'd been asking me to take them shooting for a while. So, um, Masha and me, a bunch of her friends, we took them shooting at White Birch Armory, machine guns. Uh, suppressors, like all sorts of fun stuff, at a clean, like sterile, safe environment where like everyone was friendly about everything. And then uh, we get to the comedy show, and I was, I'm a friend of the comic, and he had all of his friends from Philadelphia up here. And the opening comic, New Hampshire is a weird place, man. Like an hour ago, I got to hold a machine gun, and nobody's dead. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, and then there was heckling back and forth like the whole crowd was just heckling that comic his entire set about like him being weirded out about how everyone was armed (laughs) and yet it was still so safe (laughs) yeah i mean at this point if you haven't shot a machine gun (laughs) (laughs) 
And and it's a hard one for people to wrap their minds around initially. I will never forget. I saw a, a free stater with a holster and he had a, a pro-gun anti-war sticker on his holster. And at the time, this was like 2008 when I just moved. And it was like one of those moments like where my brain was like, oh, and I was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, and that in a nutshell is the way you explain why guns are important, right? Like you're not, you're, you're anti-war, you don't want violence, but you want a gun in case shit goes down. And I'm sorry, because I have said the S word at least 10 times tonight. We should start doing mass only events up here for the Massachusetts people who want to move That's who are curious. Idea. We make it a little exclusive because honestly, it's low hanging fruit. Like I understand with Maine and Vermont, that's actually a harder sell because it's geographically <laughs> quite similar. And honestly, my vision and is they're big, not far behind and I'm gonna us. need people there. So I'm kind of like, yeah, like, ah, maybe like Maine and Vermont also aren't far behind us in freedom. They're both lacking completely different areas. Like right. Vermont is full-blown socialist in economics, but like personal freedom, guns, like drugs, they're right there, like with us. Maine is other issues they're behind, but like yeah. it's a harder sell than hey, what do you like about Massachusetts? You're like, yep, you're shit. You're right. I've got nothing. Uh, right. I mean, there really is no reason not to um, come. So I now, feel you know, and there one, are a lot of plus. here's my one pitch, and here's my begging my question of the audience the fans people watching this uh kevin bring this to the discord and uh everyone else involved in the free state project because i think one of the hardest things we have about trying to recruit libertarians from massachusetts rhode island connecticut people who are so close there's no excuse not to move already is the job market and the difficulty people are having in finding similarly transferable jobs to what they have to maintain the standard of living they want still within an hour or two commute of their family. What we need to host is a free state project job fair for New England, interested free staters in New England. Okay. Yeah, that is a good idea. We have done them over the years. They actually haven't really taken. So maybe we need like a new vision. If there's a recruiter right. or someone who's like, really like, this oh, yeah. is something you're good at reach out to us because I agree. I mean, I try and post them, you know, but there are a hundred pages and you forget, but indeed monster, all those things are your friend. If you are, you know, from Massachusetts, people will know it's a close enough on the, you know, I always tell people get a 603 number. People yeah. are that like local here, but I think that's changed over the Well, last I think a lot of the problem people in Massachusetts have, and like this wasn't as much of a problem for me because my move was forced by legal issues involving a, a disagreement with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts over what constituted possessing a firearm. Um, but the industry I work in, in health insurance uh, and regu regulatory side of health insurance and sales and planned compliance for Medicare... <laughs> Um, like an average salary in New Hampshire for someone like entry level in that field is like in the 60, 50 to 60,000, but entry level average salary in Boston is 95 to 115 for yeah. the exact same job. And it pisses me off because Harvard Pilgrim, you know, the biggest health insurance company in New England has two corporate offices, one in Manchester, New Hampshire, and one in Boston, Massachusetts. And those are the respective salaries at the two different headquarters based on where you're working, not what the job is, because it's a cost of living adjustment. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it is just so much cheaper to live up in, around if as long as you're out of the city in New Hampshire than it is to live in Boston. 
Well, you, think, except yeah. now we're all starting to actually get now it's changing by, by socialism. I mean, rents go up and mortgages go up. Inflation is hitting us. Um, energy costs this winter were, were like horrendous. And, and so I also think that the employers in New Hampshire can start to come up a little bit. Like I'm all for Yankee frugality, but like also, you know, the, the, the horse and the buggy is now a car and it does drive to Boston, you know, like we can go make other plans. Also, digital nomadism pays yeah. for talent. We are bringing in bright, like, like, it's almost like, you know, being like, well, we're in Silicon Valley and no, we don't want the nerds to come. You know, it's like, look, we're trying to bring the best and the brightest, the smartest people who actually understand like the lay of the land. You know, there's, there's value in not having cognitive dissonance. Like there's a value to a mindset where you actually know what the, you may not like what's going on, but at least you understand what is happening around you. And there is value to those people. We are bringing valuable, intelligent people to the state who deserve to get great jobs. Oh, yeah. We just got to help them find those jobs. Yeah, yeah. interesting. <laughs> Did you hear me, Dean Kamen? All you recruiters out there, um, Mark Wharton can't sell them a house if they can't find a place to work. So... <laughs> Well, we got to build way more houses. Deal yeah, and, and, and nomads. Let's get Hold some like real nomadism in here. <clears throat> you know, we could do a lot of that too. Uh, it has been a fantastic and fun Agenda Free Monday. Uh, thank you for everyone tuning in. Thank you for the questions. Spark some great conversation, great conspiracy theories. We should probably we should do, just do a regular conspiracy theory episode, Carla, at some point, at least the two of us. <laughs> but yes. hey, I'll jump fun. in for those, man. I'm going to make it If you are that lizard person, find out. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> Tease about lizard people coming up soon too. But uh, those of you watching, those of you visiting, if those of you here visit New Hampshire, if you haven't yet, you know you should. You know you want to, because you got to move home eventually. So you come visit, uh, make a visit, see some houses, see the neighborhoods, see some friends. Porkfest is coming up. It's I, I'm going to say it's sold out at this point. It's not no campsites left. Um, you can find a way. If you want to come, we will find a way to get you to Porkfest, but you got to go to porkfest.com and get it to make it happen. If you're already here or if you are visiting, I'm looking at a couple of you in the chat that I know you're visiting right now in New Hampshire. Check the calendar. We got a new movers party coming up tomorrow in Manchester, so no reason not to be there. Open event uh, to the public. Come meet your future neighbors, current neighbors. Every so often we find someone who's been here for three or four years but never bothered to tell anybody you're i'm looking for you too <laughs> right, I did that, man. <laughs> all right guys i got half quills we'll travel see you guys tomorrow adios take it easy peace out In 1623, she touched the hand of history and led the colonies on. Independence was won, and the spirit lives today to guide America on her way. New Hampshire standing free, the home of liberty. Live free or die, don't let the freedom pass you by. Stand up proud and strong, and lead this country on. Live free or die.
voice.